0: Welcome to Vote 2016 Election Coverage. I'm Enrique Serna, along with Joni Balter, KCTS9 political analyst. Well, in the race for the U.S. Senate in Washington State, Democratic incumbent Patty Murray defeated Republican challenger Chris Vance with more than 59% of the vote. It was a civil race. No name-calling, no ugliness. Early on, it became clear that Donald Trump would become the Republican presidential nominee. And Chris Vance made it clear that he could not and would not support Trump. It was a position that did not endear him to some Washington state Republicans. Now that Donald Trump is president-elect, where does it leave mainstream Republicans like Chris Vance, who is also a former state party chair? Chris Vance joins us now to take up that question and much more. Chris uh, are you a politically homeless Republican now?
1: <laughs> did you Did you read my emails? Uh, that's exactly what um, what I emailed to some people the day after the election. Is I, I, I felt politically homeless. Uh, I believe me the, the trauma uh, that a lot of people are feeling is also being felt among a lot of Republicans. It's surreal to go on my personal Facebook page and see people that I've worked with and people like who staff people who worked for me. People have been Republicans 30, 40 years, just horrified. Like, where do we go now? Trumpism and Reaganism are irreconcilable. Uh, And so we're all going to have to see now. I mean, I'm opposed to what Donald Trump said he was going to do during the campaign. Well, let's see what he actually does now that he governs. And we'll see what that leads to the future of the Republican Party. Were you surprised election night? Oh, God, yes. Wasn't everyone? I mean, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Stunned>. although, <laughs> although watching the polling data, uh, people get polls so wrong. They, I mean, and I do this for a living, and I, I teach this at the University of Washington. And I try and tell people, when you see a poll that is within three percentage points, that means it's effectively tied.
2: That's actually what Nate Silver said. He right. said of his own data— that he had a three-point race mm-hmm. in his mind, three-point favoring Hillary Clinton. And then he also said that three points is so much within the margin of error that, you know, frankly, he wasn't certain.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so there was state after state after state where the race was within the margin of error and it they all broke or most of them broke towards Trump. And the second thing is political campaigns aren't stupid, at least big ones with lots of money. And they, they do things based on polling and research. And when you saw the Trump campaign go into Michigan, followed by the Clinton campaign, I said, oh, geez. I mean, that's something is really changing in the Great Lakes region. And that, it showed if, if you didn't think you had a path to victory, that was it.
2: Well, I heard that as well, that uh, the Clinton campaign knew that there were troubles not only in Michigan but also in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, I wanted to ask you about you. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about you type thing. So you've run for office statewide Mm -hmm. a couple times. Mm -hmm. Uh, You ran for the ninth Congressional District before that. You and I went doorbelling (laughs) because I was writing a piece for the Seattle Times at the time. You also ran for Superintendent of Public Instruction and now Senate. And, you know, we've talked over the years many a time about sort of how hard it is to actually be the candidate Mm -hmm. and all the things you have to give up. So what now for you? Do you think you'll run statewide again?
1: Joni, I have no idea. Uh, You can't plan a political career. You just mentioned some races I was involved in. Those were 10 years ago. I mean, there's a big gap between when I ran. I was first elected to the legislature and then the King County Council. And I ran for Congress. I ran statewide. But I hadn't run for anything. Uh, I had not run for public office. In 16 years, uh, the, the campaign for Congress was in the year 2000.
2: So then you'll be back in 2020. Maybe. Huh? <laughs> you never. I, I do
1: not know. It is unpredictable. But like we mentioned also, you were a former state party chair. Right. You? But I th- that was after I ran for Congress. Yeah. Yeah. You, the good thing about this is uh, in other times when I was running for office, my wife was scared to death on election night because if we lost, we needed a new job. Uh, you know, nothing's changed. I'm, I'm still teaching at the University of Washington. Uh, my consulting practice is flourishing. Um, I still, at this moment, still work for Superintendent of Public Instruction, Randy Dorn. Uh, I'm likely to, Be I might have some announcements soon about other things I'm going to be doing. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing. And one of the things I've been doing my entire life is talking about issues and speaking out. And I hope, you know, helping to lead the Republican Party. We'll just see wh- where that helping takes me. Helping to
2: lead the Republican Party. May I pick up there for sure. one second? Sure. Uh, as everybody knows, Susan Hutchinson, the current state party chair, uh, defended the top of the ticket, Mr. Trump, even during the Access Hollywood scandal. Uh, she said Trump's bragging about assaulting women was sort of because, you know, he used to be, he was a Democrat at that time. So maybe uh, that explained it, So, you know, he, he got better as he became a Republican. Uh, should she stay as state party chair or should someone else step in? <laughs>
1: We, you know, let's just see how that plays out. I, they, it's really, believe me, I know because I did this job. Um, Whether it's fair or not, you get the blame when things go well and you get the credit when, or you get the credit when things go well and blame when they don't. And Republicans did well in this election. Uh, So there's a general feeling, I think, among the party that they're winning. And you know, it's easy sitting here in Seattle where we are right now to think of the Republican Party as this pathetic, beleaguered minority. No, I'm sorry. It's the Democrats who have a problem. I mean, the Republicans control the presidency, the Senate, the House, 33 governors, 69 out of 99 legislative chambers. In Washington State, we control the Senate, and we're only two seats away in the House. So... People think there's something wrong with the Republican Party, and I don't agree with Mr. Trump at all, and I'm worried about the direction we're going, but if what you care about is winning and losing, well, we won. The D's lost. And so it's really, why isn't anybody asking, why isn't Jackson Ravens leaving? Uh, It's Nancy Pelosi who may lose her job. It's the DNC that's going to have a big fight. The crisis is on the Democrat side. Uh, Now, I think the Republicans have a crisis in terms of conscience and ideology, but in terms of winning and losing...
2: And demographics.
1: Well, uh, I don't think it's the Democrats who are the problem with the demographics. I think what they found to, uh, this election is you can't win an election with just non-white voters. For I've been saying for years, yeah, there's a gap in this country. And well, the people who should be concerned are the Democrats who are now losing the overwhelming majority of white voters, which are still the majority in this and, country. And
0: you're starting to hear that now from Democrats. Yeah, it's, it's not Susan Hutchinson no who's in that. trouble.
1: Yeah. It's the Democrats.
0: I'm curious, though, for you— um, about the decision to run for the U.S. Senate mm-hmm. against, you know, Patty Murray, who was incumbent. Now she's like number three.
1: Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to run? Because, Enrique, you know, it's so easy now to look at this as like, wow, this, you know, can't be done. Let's rewind back to the fall of 2015. Um, Barack Obama's approval rating was 43 percent. The natural pendulum of American politics said it should have been a big Republican year after eight years of the other party being in the majority. Uh, There was a poll in May that showed Patty Murray under 50%. The October Elway poll had Patty Murray only getting 44% of the vote against me. We signed up for a race where you were going to have a big Republican landslide uh, with a popular Republican nominee who could do well in the moderate King County suburbs. And in that kind of an election, uh, running against a 24-year incumbent when people wanted change, we thought we had a really good chance to pull off the upset. Well, then Donald Trump became the nominee, and it completely changed all the calculations. He did well in some parts of the country, but he was he did terribly in Washington State and really terribly in King County. He's getting less than twenty two percent of the vote in King County, so sometimes smash numbers in <laughs> Seattle
2: like eight percent,
1: right? And so I mean, we signed up for a completely if we had nominated Marco Rubio or John Kasich, or or Jeb Bush, it would have been a completely different election. And that's what I we were planning on.
0: When you came out and said that you could not, would not support him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think not too long after that, there was the state party convention. And Days the, later. Yeah. And I know that
1: that was not a fun time for you. <laughs> it was very difficult. Uh, the uh, understand now that I was a hero in the Republican Party for taking on Patty Murray. Uh, one of the great blessings of this campaign is my son, who's 25 years old, Uh, worked part-time on the campaign, and he he and I were the ones that traveled around the state together. And everywhere we went, we were heroes because we were running against Patty Murray. It's going to be a big Republican year. And then that came to a grinding halt when we came out opposed to to Donald Trump. And we were sitting there at dinner in Federal Way at our favorite Thai restaurant the night before we were going to go to the Tri-Cities, and my cell phone starts blowing up People said the state party's executive board was debating at that moment whether or not to let me speak at the state convention.
2: Oh boy.
1: And and I'm the former chairman of the state party. I have stood in front of the state convention multiple times. And I'm like, do I still run? Do I file as an independent? Do I go and defy them? Do I not? And in the end, the overwhelming majority of people in that meeting voted to let me speak. And I got to tell you, when we were there, it was a parade of people walking up to our booth at the state convention saying, I agree with you, you're right. We, should, we don't support Trump, we're on your side, we can't say it. It was overwhelming that people, were, people agreed with us on that. Yeah.
2: So looking ahead, as we look ahead at the next year or two, uh, this professor, you've seen him all over the Internet, who predicted uh, all the elections or most of the elections since 1984 now says Donald Trump probably will be impeached before <laughs> his term is done. Uh, Alan Lichtman is his name. He's from American University. I wonder what you think of that. I wonder if you think that you know sort of past conduct uh, foreshadows future behavior. Do you think that's likely?
1: Good God! I mean, um, I've I've been wrong about everything this election. So I've just I'm giving that's up. That's why making... we're asking you. Yeah. It's so much fun. <laughs> People, it's so easy to use the word impeachment. People don't realize what what it means. What you're saying is that Donald Trump is going to commit a high crime or misdemeanor while in office.
2: Well, in fairness, what the term was to... cheapened for the Clinton impeachment. Well, he wasn't,
1: he wasn't convicted. Uh, that's the point. Is That's a very high bar. We've never in American history impeached and convicted a president. So tell me what law Mr. Trump is going to break, and we'll see. I mean, if he actually breaks the law, I guess so. But you don't impeach someone just because you disagree with them. Um, I'm not sometimes I wonder if people understand that I, I I, don't know I mean I wonder if Donald Trump I'm just
2: talking about some of the wild and crazy things he has done and people sort of taking him to account for it
1: uh, saying things doesn't get you impeached he's got to break the law and by the way th- those who support him they don't care what he says and here's and one that of the appears reasons, to be and true, one of the reasons why true. and people need to understand this is they don't believe it they don't believe you, Joni, or you, Enrique. They don't trust you. They don't like you. And they don't listen to you.
2: But they love you, man. They, no,
1: they actually, they don't. <laughs> no, but you, but you know, they, you, they you, have their own form of media. Right. Yeah. And they completely distrust the mainstream media. And they believe every time they hear something about Mr. Trump, they just reject it because they, unless it comes from Breitbart, they don't believe it.
0: You bring up a great point because, uh, in fact, we just recently, Joni and I interviewed Rink Schenkman, who is a historian and an author, and said exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. He said when we talked about the truth That's and true. when I brought up the point about, well, what about uh, the statements by Trump that are completely false? He says, they don't, they don't care. care. The, he, as he said, the truth doesn't matter. And it has been interesting as I've listened to interviews um, that, uh, particularly on NPR, when they've gone back to various parts of the country, Rust Belt, Virginia, and things. Uh, West Virginia. And and, and it is interesting that I've noticed that folks there are saying that they they support him. Him. They they still aren't sure about him, Mm -hmm. but they still support him. But the issues really of about what he's said and maybe what he's done, they don't matter. What they care about is that they want him to change things so that they will get jobs. Right. it's exactly right.
1: The other day, Christian Sinderman said this better than I can. Um, he and I were uh, did a forum at the Evans School the other day, and he's from an industrial town in Michigan. He said, listen, you have to understand this. You've got people out there making $9.75 at Walmart an hour. Their dad made $20 an hour working at the tool and die factory, and their grandfather made $40 an hour working at Ford. That's the problem, this downward mobility. And Hillary Clinton and other Democrats come in and say, I, look, the economy is getting better, and you know if, if you're a displaced worker, we'll get you some community college training. They don't, they that doesn't cut it with them anymore. Donald Trump said, "I will reopen the factory. I will bring the jobs back from China. I will let you dig for coal again," and that's what they want to hear, and they that is what they care about, and they don't care about his quote locker room talk, which to me is far more than that. But they don't care, and 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 and. People protesting in the streets of Seattle is nothing going to do nothing but harden their opinions. And I, right now, it's really down to okay, can he do what he said he's going to do? And that is the key. And this is this is why I'm you know watching and seeing what does he actually do? How does he actually govern? Mm-hmm. One of the things that, that Trump supporters said to me throughout the campaign, they'd get so frustrated, so it would say, I'd, I would say things like, he, he doesn't he's not a Republican. He will add five trillion dollars to the debt. He he is his anti his trade policies will wreck the economy and they'd look at me like Chris he won't do that he's just saying that they really believe that they 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 believe he said things just to get elected and now he's going to govern like a fairly typical Republican well we'll see
2: well like Christian I I am from um, Pennsylvania I'm from Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh originally. And I had been watching Pennsylvania and all the polling the whole time the election was going on. And I was telling my husband, even though it said nine points for Hillary, I, I don't believe that because I know the same thing mm-hmm. that you described for, for Christian. So but I wanted to ask you something about uh, and you're not responsible for all things Republicans <laughs> say. Not <everywhere>. this year. <laughs> and, and perhaps, so you don't you don't have to own this thing. But you let's, get a pass. <laughs> but let's talk about the protests in Seattle and up and down the West Coast uh state senator doug erickson has said that some of the folks that are protesting or shaking your head Mm. should be charged with felonies as sort of economic terrorists uh do you agree and how does that help the gop in the state of washington
1: i don't agree if i were in the legislature i wouldn't vote for that i will be shocked if that bill ever gets out of committee um it, people, if they break the law, there's already laws to deal with vandalism and other things. There's no need for something like this. And Doug knows that, I would assume. I, he's just making a statement. How, how does it help the GOP? Because it continues. People, I mean, look, let me, let me be clear about this. For years, I've been in this studio and other studios and I've written and talked about how the Republican Party has to change. That we have to do better among moderate, college-educated suburban voters. We have to do better among uh, non-white voters. Uh, we are the ones with the problem. There are always other voices in our party, including people like Doug Yark, who said, "No, you've got it backwards. We can't be Democrat light. We need to double down, triple down, move to the right, get more voters, more. We have to get the working class angry vote." And they just ran a campaign that way and won. And so you're there. They believe that the way to win is to just keep demonizing the the cultural left to bring more. Uh, non-college-educated working-class white voters on board, and pe- and that kind of a bill, they love that. And and they love and, the and,
2: idea of it. But you know, look, the history of protest in America, mm-hmm. the history of protest in Seattle, the Seattle strike. I mm-hmm. mean, how does that mesh in any way with anything?
0: Let me, let me uh, jump in here. Uh, so, with what you just said about that, mm-hmm. okay, this is now. Mm-hmm. This is what they were able to do now, and obviously, they were successful. Mm-hmm now but what about a year from now and what about two years from now where where do, where does the party is it all kind of wait
1: and see as, as it, far as it is all kind of wait and see but again this sort of sm- and bel- now look so i'm on your side on a lot of this stuff i agree with you but but there's this smug certainty among the left there's that book the emerging democratic majority yeah. that talked about how eventually this country is gonna you know be a majority minority country and white voters are going to fall as a percentage of the it's all wrong for the for for the foreseeable future white voters will be the majority the overwhelming majority far more than 50% and the democrats can't win if their support among white voters continues to just collapse and if if the if the trump camp if the trump movement is able to start it, bring up their support among college educated white voters in addition to their support among non college educated white voters then they have an unbeatable Coalition, uh, and so they they are not interested in appealing to Seattle voters or non-white voters who are culturally sort of liberal. They don't need them. They don't need them, and they're showing it. I mean, they're the and it doesn't it does not work on the West Coast. It doesn't work in Washington State, and this is this is one thing so maddening is Washington State Republicans should be worried about the future, but nationally. Uh, it it it's apparently working. But to your
2: point, in Washington State, if we were interviewing somebody from the Democratic Party, they'd say we won the governor's. Mm-hmm. We still have a two-vote majority in the state house, mm-hmm. and we can work with moderate uh, Republicans in the Senate to get. they which moderate <coughs> Republicans?
1: <laughs> there are there are not so <laughs> Wait, Steve litzow has gone. Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, Andy Hill Andy has Hill passed, Hill away. Passed, passed away. Right. Uh, you're going to have a lame duck freshman in. In that seat, uh, the Senate has not... I mean, the Senate... Joe Fain is like the last surviving moderate. Well, there's a few others. But can
2: but you now. see something like that kind of a coalition coming up with a new carbon tax, for example? No. Absolutely not? No.
1: No. I mean, the, Republic, the Republicans in Olympia, and uh, I generally agree with them on this, Is their, their message is, no new taxes. Let's fund our education with existing revenues. Which existing revenues. Well, revenues are going up because the economy is actually getting a little better. And they look at it as they have been able to pump billions of dollars more into education, lower college tuitions. That, all that's without, what
2: Jay Inslee said when he was running. Exactly. He, and he that's right. kept mentioning exactly. how much money he put.
1: Exactly. So why do we need to raise taxes? Uh, so no, one thing you can count on. You count on the sun coming up tomorrow morning, and you can count on Republicans in Olympia opposing tax increases. So there will not be a revenue package. So that's Washington State. Yes. Okay. Uh, it, uh, you know, it seems like that's not going to change a heck
0: of a lot here. Nope. But when we look at Republicans nationally mm-hmm. and what's going to happen, and we look at the uh, uh, Trump trying to put together his administration now, and we hear of talk of a Muslim registry. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see the appointment of a uh, uh, you know Steve Bannon and the uh, as a chief strategist we see um, the national security advisor who has had who, who actually was fired from a position before and now he is going to be the national security advisor What is that I guess there is
1: the, there's deep concern let's put it there deep concern and so Mike, my- my concern is, first of all, none of this is new. There's always been a dark side to American conservatism, all the way back to the anti-immigrant policies, the know-nothing party. Um, Against the Irish. Uh, <laughs> and the yeah. Germans and everyone else. And, and you know, Republicans opposed uh, America joining the League of Nations after World War I, and America Republicans' voice hated the U.N. Uh, I'm really struck by the parallels to the John Birch Society in the 1960s. If you go back and read Bircher stuff, it's just like what you read on InfoWars and Alex Jones and, and Breitbart. You know, there's this globalist conspiracy, these evil global bankers, and the Trump campaign commercials were horrifying. And they were, I mean, right up to the edge of American fascism. Um, and so that it's, and, and what's interesting, of course, is the previous generation of Republican leaders... Richard Nixon, uh, Barry, Gold, Barry Goldwater, but especially Ronald Reagan and Dan Evans, explicitly disavowed the John Birch Society, drove them out of the Republican Party. Now that wing of the party runs the Republican Party. But
2: but Trump doesn't ever disavow them. No, he doesn't. And,
1: but, but on the other, see, here's the other thing, though. At the same time he's appointing Mr. Bannon as counselor to the president, he brings in Reince Priebus as chief of staff. Supposedly he's meeting with Mitt Romney this weekend. Um, there's all these people in the party who are telling me, calm down, he doesn't mean it, he just says it for effect, and he's going to be okay. He's going to be a typical Republican, govern like a Reaganite. Well, we'll see. I, Like I said earlier, I opposed during the campaign what he said he's going to do. It's now time for us to see what is he really going to do. What does the Trump administration mean for the city of Seattle. Much less than people think. Um, first of all, understand, and this is why this is why the intellectual wing, the National Review wing of the Republic Heritage Foundation wing of the Republican Party, the Cato Institute wing, oppose Trump. He's a liberal on a lot of things. He doesn't want to cut spending. He wants to double and triple spending. He, he thinks the rest of us are nuts for wanting to do entitlement reform and worry about the debt. He's not going to cut spending. He likes to give goodies out to everybody. I don't think he's going to cut human services funding for the city of Seattle. Uh, that's, why, that's one of the reasons conservatives don't like him. Uh, what people should be concerned about is immigration policy, if he does what he says he's going to do. And for the Seattle business community and for everybody who lives here, trade policy. If he really does start a trade war and tear up NAFTA, and and I think TPP is doomed, um, that is horrifying news for the Washington state economy. We depend on it so We depend much. on trade and not just Boeing, but every everywhere I go went in the state during the campaign, you talk to farmers and ranchers and small manufacturers, they're all dependent on exporting their products. What happens to Boeing's relationship with China? What happens with Microsoft's ability to do business worldwide? What happens to Was- the Washington apple industry which exports a ton of apples to Mexico? Um, so that's I don't I'm not worried about and wheat farmers well, and right. So not, I wouldn't worry wouldn't if I were Ed Murray. I wouldn't worry about the federal budget being cut. Donald Trump's a big spender. I'd be worried about what happens to our economy if he starts a trade war.
2: And also, Donald Trump seems to be all over the map, even within one position. I mean, he <laughs> so for example, he does seem like he's very pro NRA. Uh, He did say in his first interview after being elected that he would like to see the end of Roe v. Wade. But then he said, you know, he has no problem with Supreme Court ruling on on gays. I mean, mm-hmm. he, I have no idea where he is on marijuana because uh, he was not listed as one of the people that was going to reassert the federal authority over the states on marijuana law. I mean, he's sort of all over the map, and it changes so much, so it's really hard. Like you're saying, it's really hard to tell where he will come down on some of this. Mm-hmm. But it is also true, as, as we've been talking about, that um, you know the cities, some of the cities on the west coast, especially, are going to fight back against some of his policies.
1: How do you fight back? I mean, good luck. Uh, he's by, the president. Do, by well, he's the president.
2: By Ed Murray signing telling his police chief, "Don't enforce his immigration laws." He's and one,
1: and if 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 liberal cities get very aggressive in that way, that's fine. They have that ability. They will see a loss of all federal funds in terms of 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 federal law enforcement, which a lot of them depend on. Um, I, guarantee, as a form, I guarantee you, as a former King County Council member, that King County would be very concerned about losing uh, the federal funding they get uh, to compensate them for holding federal prisoners. So local governments can do that at the risk of, of losing federal funds. The real answer, Joni, is immigration reform, is to, is to pass comprehensive immigration reform so cities don't have to be sanctuary cities. But that's probably not going to happen no, now. No, not
2: after
0: and, all well, that. Well, if not after and, and now with uh, talk of Jeff Sessions, uh, the senator from Alabama, possibly be Attorney possibly Captain. becoming Attorney General, hardcore mm-hmm. on that. Uh, I suppose there's going to be lots of uh, debate about that. Nom- well, can he has to go through a nomination process? And he'll
1: go through the Senate where he's currently yeah. a member, and there's a Republican majority. I don't think there'll be a problem. But
0: ha- hasn't. Wasn't he turned down for a judgeship because of some comments that he'd made? I don't know. He's okay. very
1: conservative. and no doubt about that. He, He's from that wing of the Republican Party that is now the Trump wing. Yeah. But also
2: sore subject possibly, but uh, Trump can't just cut off funds. There, there are budget processes, uh-huh. and Senator Patty Murray actually has a role to play in that.
1: Uh, well, yes and no. The only power the Democrats have now, especially liberal Democrats, is the filibuster. It's the only role they have. Uh, but Republicans can use the reconciliation process, which can't be filibustered. And if they do that and they hold their votes together, then, um, those senators are going to have absolutely no power. Washington state has just become very irrelevant, uh, in Washington, DC, not having, uh, Republicans, I mean, in, in certain key positions are going to, you know, there's no one to talk to the Trump administration.
0: Chris Vance going forward here, um, Mainstream Republican, I suppose there's a whole bunch of people like you out there, uh, all kind of wondering what,
1: where do you go from here? Well, for me personally, again, Enrique, I get up every morning and do my work. You know, uh, I teach and I can do consulting and that sort of thing. Uh, I'm going to watch and see what happens. I mean, I, um, I'm politics has become so tribal. I'm not going to support a Republican just because they have an R after their name. They've got to believe in and implement the policies I believe in. And I haven't changed. I'm a Ronald Reagan Republican, and I always will be. If, if, I, if Mr. Trump does things I believe in, I'll support him. If he doesn't, if he governs as he campaigned, then I think there's going to be a lot of people wondering, you know, about about where do we go. And one of the things that's really fascinating, we, and we haven't talked about enough here, I think, is if how are the Democrats going to react to this? If the Democrats become the Bernie Sanders party, the Pramila Jayapal party, the Kashama Sawant party, if they move left and basically become socialists, then what happens to all the corporate friendly Democrats who've supported things like trade? What happens to Patty Murray and, and Maria Cantwell? And, what, if, if, and if that happens, if the, if the Republicans become the, the Trump populist party and the Democrats become a socialist party... A yawning gap opens in the middle of American politics. David Brooks is talking about, you know, we need a third party for people like that. Moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats. Um, we'll see. It, it Everything depends on how does Donald Trump govern and where do the Democrats go next. We
2: always thought, Chris, when we tried to schedule this podcast, Enrique and I, that we would be sitting here talking about you know, how do you uh, put Humpty Dumpty, the Republican exactly. Party, back, <laughs> me to, too. Back, back together again? Actually, we,
0: we sort of did that with Rob McKenna a and while back. we did do yeah. that.
2: But also, and the other thought is the Democrats have some of the same put us back together kind of challenges. Some?
1: They've got the problem.
2: They have some. Of the, I'll, I'll say they have some of the same put us back together challenges that we thought we'd be talking to you about.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, like as I said earlier, for years I've been talking about trying to fix what's wrong with the Republican Party. Nobody wants to hear that now. Why do you you fix a party? The Republican Party is stronger now than it's been in 80 years and dominates American politics almost to the extent that the Democrats did after FDR. I mean, again, here in Seattle, ha, 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 you're a Republican, pat you on the head. No, no, it's the Democrats who are a beleaguered little minority with no power. And that that should horrify people.
0: But how much time does the trump administration have in order to
1: show that they can do something. i don't know that's a great question. i don't know i mean i don't know I'm trying to predict the future now at this point is a fool's errand <laughs> uh eventually eventually all those voters who were who thought he'd keep carrier here and bring the jobs back from china and
2: uh, and return steel to pittsburgh it's not right. going to happen well it's not we'll happen.
1: see will it or not i mean we'll see uh, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how you do that. But everybody needs, needs to, I think, kind of just shut up, enjoy the holidays, wait and see what happens uh, because it, it is so unpredictable. Eventually, he's going to be held accountable for results. But for right now, I don't know.
0: All right, so we are going to shut up, and we're going to enjoy the holidays. <laughs> Chris, I
1: I should take me on advice. I can't stop myself. I, 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 I'm incapable of Why shutting up. Why you think up? we invited you? Yes. Well,
0: I'm going to try to shut up. Uh, Chris Vance, thank you very much. Uh, you ran a good campaign, and it was a good, clean, civil campaign. I and, thought, I, I, thought uh, I went
1: after her pretty hard, actually. Yeah, well, you know, no. Yeah, I mean, context, um, Chris. There you go. There you go, context. Again, you, you, you never go. know what kind of a race you're going to get into. And the top of the ticket is critical. I'm running three points ahead of Donald Trump. Uh, I, Bill Bryant and I are both running ahead of Donald Trump. Um, it just it, We were hoping that the presidential nominee would get 45% in Washington State. At 38%, it makes it pretty darn tough for any Republican to win.
0: Yeah, Chris, thank you very much for taking the time. And I'm sure we're going to be talking to you much more in the future here. Uh, as part of our uh, political coverage here uh, on KCTS 9 and on CrossCut. And uh, this has been Vote 2016 election coverage. For Johnny Balter, I'm Enrique Cerna and Chris Vance. We'll talk more later. To hear
1: more podcasts from KCTS 9 Digital Studios, visit kcts9.org slash podcasts.